Over the last 50 years or so, there has been something, uh, I guess you could call it a movement or maybe a philosophy that has gripped and taken hold of Western culture and society. And, and you can really see it if you kind of study what's happened in the last 50 years in the United States, in our own country. And it's something that's been called and termed the me culture. The me culture. Yeah, and, and it's something that has to do with the idea that me and my and mine is the filter for everything in life. Me, my, and mine. We don't even realize it. In fact, most of us don't feel this or sense this or pay attention to this primarily because we're all products of it. We all grew up in this culture. It became something that really began to take shape back in the 60s uh, and the 70s and so on. And so you and I are products of this mostly, most of us here. And so it's not something that really stands out to us until we stop and really begin to think about it. Me, my, mine, me, my, mine, and, and everything. And let me just take a few moments up front and give you some examples so that you can see what I'm talking about. When you take this me culture, this me mentality, and you take it to everything in life, it, it affects everything in life. For instance, how people see God and view God. And you can hear it if you listen to the way people talk. And maybe you can detect this in your own conversation or in your own thinking. You'll hear people say things like, well, to me, God is blah, 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 blah. They'll fill in the blank. Well, in my opinion, in the way I see things, I think God is more like, or you know what, you know, I, my view of God is a little different. And me, my mind affects how we see God. But it goes even further. And I know you've seen this. I know you've heard this. And maybe this is a part of your own vocabulary. And you didn't even realize it until I'm getting ready to point it out. We see truth through a me culture filter. Yeah, me, my mind. We hear people talk about it all the time. Well, that's my truth, okay? I'm just trying to be true to my truth. I can remember probably about 10 years ago when I began to hear that phrase, my truth, my truth. Now it's just a part of people's vocabulary. Well, this is my truth. I'm trying to be true to my truth. I'm trying to find my truth. Sounds good, doesn't it? As a side note, what happens when you're my truth conflicts with my my truth? Then whose truth wins? Because truth, right? You said truth. You said truth. You didn't say opinion. You said truth. And so if my truth and your truth are at odds, uh-oh. See? No wonder we're in a mess. This me culture pervades everything. We take it to morality. What's right, what's wrong, what's right, what's wrong? Well, that may be right for you, but that's not right for me. You know what? That may not be right for you, but it, it's okay for me. Like, we define our own morality now? That we get to decide? Everybody gets to decide for themselves? Yeah, in a me culture, that's exactly what happens. We find a morality that works for me. And it may not work for you, but we define morality that works for me. And we bring it to relationships, too. Yeah, the me culture affects relationships. Think about it. I mean, think about it. Relationships are based upon how I feel now. My feelings, right? Oh, I just feel we're going to be good. I, I just got this feeling we're, we're going to connect. We were meant to be. I just feel it. I feel it. And then when you've lost that love and feeling and it's gone, 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 
whoa, you got to finish that for me. You can't leave that hanging, right? Because it happens. Eventually, it's going to happen, right? I mean, in your friendship, especially in your marriage, even among family, what do you do, right? We're trained. We have been trained by the me culture. When the feeling is gone, we find a new relationship to recapture some kind of feeling. We're chasing a feeling, chasing a feeling, chasing a feeling. Well, I just don't feel that we just lost that feeling. I just don't feel for them. My feelings have changed. Oh, what are you going to do when your feelings change? I don't know. It's a mess, isn't it? And then we bring this me culture thing to sex and sexuality and where people now in our culture define sex and sexuality for themselves. Based on a lot of different things, but that's what a me culture does. It affects everything now. And, and, and now people are deciding for themselves things that are so important as, as in sexuality it, itself. Oh, we don't have time to talk about government, right? And how people approach government with a me culture, a me mentality. Have we ever heard people more consumed with my rights? That's my rights. You can't infringe upon my rights. You don't have a right to say that because that infringes upon my rights. And what right do you have to infringe upon my rights? And I'm standing for my rights. My, 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 my. Are we in a mess? And sadly, the me culture has invaded what people understand is what it means to follow Jesus. And it's all up in the church, too. Yeah. So now following Jesus is really about how I, what works for me, right? What works for me, how I, how I understand it, and, and what, what makes my life better. That, oh yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody, you know, oh, I don't want Jesus as my Savior. I mean, gosh, who doesn't want their sins forgiven? Who doesn't want to be in heaven? I mean, come on, right? But yeah, I'm, I'm there, I'm there. But following Jesus means, okay, that? I'm doing that. Hold on, I'm not quite there yet. I'm not quite there. You pray for me, preacher. You pray for me that I get there. I'm not, yeah, it's, it, that doesn't work for me. Now, I like, I like this part and I like that part, but I'm not so, I don't know about this part. Never mind the fact that as followers of Jesus, Jesus has called us to a life that is not, simply not, about ourselves. Luke recorded Jesus saying it like this. Then Jesus said to the crowd, not just a small group of people, but this was public. I mean, this was, he was out there with this. If any of you wants to be my follower... Take my name and attach it to your name, and as we would say, call yourself a Christian, then you must give up your own way. Boy, doesn't that fly in the face of a me culture. Give up your own way. Take up your cross daily. What's that about? Jesus is like, I'm headed to the cross. If you're going to follow me, this is where we're going. And follow me. Go where I go, do what I do, live as I live. And if you're going to attach yourself to me, if you're going to go where I go, if you're going to be my follower, you just need to know what you're signing up for. You are not signing up for a me-centered way of living in any stretch of the imagination. It is a way of self-denial. Following Jesus is a way of self-denial. Following Jesus is a way of sacrifice. And that, flies in the face of a me-centered culture. 
That means everything needs to run through the filter of Jesus. In the way of Jesus, not through the filter of me and my and mine. Now, at this point, some of you are thinking, I have forgotten what series we're in. Because you're like, what's this got to do with money? I thought we were talking about money, what Jesus said about money. Oh, no, no, no. Here's why. Here's why we started this, this way. Because when you bring a me mentality, remember, it's a filter that affects everything. And you bring a me-centered culture to money, you talk about a mess. And in fact, we often see it here more clearly than any of the other places that I talked about in just a few minutes ago. We, we see it just come to life in the context of money. And people are consumed with a couple of things. They're consumed with what do I need when it comes to money and what do I want to do with my money? What do I need in regards to money? that I don't have, and then what do I want to do with my money? You take a me mentality, and you put it in the context of money and our culture. We live by answering these questions by default, and we do it without even realizing it. What do I need? What do I need? I need this. I need that. And here's the challenge is that we confuse needs with wants and wants with needs, and sometimes we don't know the difference, and sometimes those lines get blurred, and sometimes we have a hard time defining what a need is and what a want is and what a want is where the need is. And, but in a me culture, I just want it. I need it. i got to have it. And then what do I want to do? What do I want to do? It's a very natural question, but we just take it too far. These are natural human questions that we just take way too far. And it sounds like this. That's my money. You don't have a right to tell me what to do with my money. <laughs> That's my money. Who are you to tell me how to spend my money? Who are you to tell me what I have to do with my money and what I, I can't do with my money? Don't we hear that and we feel that? Wait, 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 wait. Hey, okay, that, that's fine for you, but that's my money. I worked hard for that money, and I call the shots because it's my money. And then we hear this. We hear, you know what? As long as I get what's mine, I really don't care. I really don't care. I, it doesn't, I mean, this is frustrating. I see what you're saying. But as long as I get what I've worked for, as long as I get what I deserve, as long as I get what's coming to me, as long as I get what is mine, baby, then that, that's, that's the main thing. You with me? And then Jesus walks onto the scene in his day, and even in our day, and tackles this mindset head on, face on, and brings his way of self-denial and sacrifice to the me mentality and the me culture of money. And what Jesus is going to show us is that as odd as it sounds and feels, my money is not just about me. And that sounds odd, doesn't it? And it feels odd to say that because of my money, right? I mean, what do you mean, my, my money is not for me? What do you mean? I mean? Just something about that. Jesus is going to help us understand that it's not just about me. It involves me. I'm certainly there. I'm certainly at play here, but it's so much bigger. You could say that our money is about those we provide for. You could say that our money is about those that we are taking care of. You could say, and probably should say, that our money has a much bigger context than me and you and here and now because it's technically not even my money. 
Remember, I'm talking to you who are followers of Jesus. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're not a Christian, you, you can just ignore most of everything I'm saying, and you can just feel the pressure just come off your shoulders and just say, oh, I'm just going to listen to him talk to the rest of those people because they need to hear this. We need to hear this as followers of Jesus. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, you just, just kind of listen for curiosity. But for those of you, which I would say is most of you, that are followers of Jesus, this is on us. This is on us, and we must pay attention to this. Because as followers of Jesus, we need to acknowledge nothing we call ours really is ours. In an absolute sense, I own absolutely nothing. In an absolute sense, you own absolutely nothing. In an absolute sense, God owns absolutely everything. And you and I have been entrusted by God as stewards and managers of what ultimately belongs to him. And so my money, as odd as it sounds and feels, is not just about me. See, God, in his grace, knows how our system works, so he entrusts things to us. And he hands us, so to speak, pencils and crayons and lets us sketch our names on things, right? That ultimately belong to him. It all belongs to him. But we get to, you know, for the time being, we get to say, this is mine, Jonathan. Did mine. Yep. Until I die. And then some of you, somebody else is going to come and erase my name and then put their name on it. Right? I ain't taking it with me. There's no U-Hauls behind a hearse. It ain't happening. I ain't going anywhere with it. I'm going and leaving it. And so, yeah, ultimately, what Jesus is going to show us is it's not just about me because it's not even yours to begin with. But look at this. When I make my money just about me, I limit what it can be. And, and when you make money just about you, what Jesus is going to show us is we limit. We limit what it can be for others. We limit what it can be for ourselves and we limit what God wants to do with it and what he can do with it. We limit it when we make it about us. As we will see, me is too small of a focus for your money. Me is too small of a perspective to have when it comes to what God has entrusted to us. Let me show you what I'm talking about. I want to take you back to the same place where we started the last couple of weeks, and that is Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount, where he uh, talked so much about money and financial things. And in this sermon, he said something else that we haven't talked about just yet that I want to unpack in the next few minutes to help us see how Jesus really attacks this me mindset when it comes to money and challenges us to consider our motives and what's going on inside of us. So here's what Jesus says. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by other people, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. Don't do this publicly. Now, Jesus is actually talking about financial things, as we will see in just a minute. This is the context. So he's saying, when you, when you do what you do, what you do with your money. When you do what you do, what you do with your money, the way you do it, Make sure you don't do it with selfish motives so that other people will see you publicly and make a big deal about it publicly. Yeah, when you do what you do so that other people will recognize you and admire you for doing it, Jesus said, yeah, that you do that. God's not going to honor that. 
Something about losing a reward, and he'll talk about that in a minute, and we'll unpack that in just a minute. But the bottom line here is, is God will not bless selfish motives. And it's hard to see. It's hard to see when I have selfish motives in me, and it's hard to see sometimes in the mirror when you have selfish motives when it comes to financial things, because it's very human, right? What do I need? What do I want to do? What do I need? What do I want to do? Because it's my money, right? But we understand as followers of Jesus, we understand that it's really not our money to begin with. Then we start thinking of it differently. And this is what Jesus is trying to help us do, is think differently. Do not have selfish motives or perspectives when it comes to your money. Then he gets a little bit more specific. He says, when you give to someone in need. See, this is a financial context. When you're giving to someone in need... Don't do as the hypocrites do. Uh, Time out, just a second. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was name-calling here? Interesting, right? We get this idea in our culture that Jesus was just all, you know, warm and fuzzy all the time. That Jesus, you know, he carried around his pet lamb and his stick. Where he went, how you doing, how you doing, I see you, I see you. Vote for me, vote for me. Right? Shaking hands and kissing babies. That's what Jesus is doing. Right? No. There were times, many times, when Jesus got all, got all up in people's grill when it, when it was necessary. In, in a way that was so honest. And here, Jesus just calls it out. You, there are some people that are hypocrites, and you don't need to be like the hypocrites. Hypocrites are somebody that claims to be something they're not. What do they do? Oh, they blow trumpets in the synagogue. Do, 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 in the streets. Calling attention to their acts of charity. Look what I've done. Everybody, do you see that? Everybody, make sure, make sure people know. Man, I hope they saw that. Hope people see me. I'm giving. Look, look, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. I hope my name. I hope I get credit for that. Did somebody, was somebody recording that? Did somebody see that? No? I tell you the truth. They have received all the reward they will ever get. Jesus says, when you go about what you do with a me-centered and you want other people's attention on you, they may give you their attention and they may applaud you and they may lift you up. But if they do, know that that's as far as it's going to go because God will not honor. Our Heavenly Father will not honor selfishness. He will not honor that kind of pride. Why? Because the way of Jesus is the way of humility. The way of Jesus is... You do what you do because it needs to be done, and if no one recognizes you for it, if no one applauds you for it, so what? Because he's getting ready to show us somebody else is watching. Watch this. When you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. We'll come back to that in a minute, because that isn't that an odd thing to say. Give your gifts in private, and your father, who sees everything, will reward you. Don't make it about you. And God is watching. And God sees everything. And then God who sees everything will honor you and reward you when you do what you do with the right motive. Now, let me real quick let you know what's coming next week. This whole thing about reward, God rewarding you, God blessing you, God doing great things for you, that's significant, and we're going to end our series next week talking about that. What does God plan on doing? What did Jesus say God would do for people who honor him with their finances and and, and handle finances as a manager and steward of everything that ultimately belongs to him, and I am a manager, and right now my name is penciled on it, and I want to handle it in a way that honors God. 
What will God do? We're going to talk about that next week. So it's coming. It's important. But he reminds us that God sees everything. Our motives. Not just what we do, but why we do what we do. And the motives behind how we handle money. So Jesus said, don't make it about you. Don't make it about you. Keep it on the down low. In fact, don't let your right hand know, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. But what if you're left-handed? Okay. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. What's the point? Here's the point. The point is not that no one should ever know what you do, but you should never do it to be known. Not that no one should ever see what you're doing, but you should never do it to be seen. It's about motive. It's a gut check. It's a why check. It's what's really behind this, really. Why do I do this, really, truly, honestly? God knows, and you need to consider it. You need to pay attention to it because it motivates so much. And Jesus said, keep it on the down low. In fact, you'd be better off making it private than making it public. If you're going to err, err on the side of discretion rather than a proclamation. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And, and now this can be taken to an extreme, and some people do in churches, and I've seen this, and, and this is not what Jesus is saying. Some people are like, that's why, that's why all giving should be under the table. Cash only, don't let, you know, you don't ever make a record, don't put your name on anything, because, you, you know, it needs to be in private, it needs to be in secret, so that nobody can know you did it. That is not what Jesus is saying. He's saying that no one, he's not saying that no one should see, no one should know. He's just saying, just don't do it to be seen and known. And here's the deal. If you're a part of a governmental system, as we are at least right now, that wants to give you tax credit for giving to a nonprofit organization or giving in something like that, then great, fine. That's on them. In fact, Jesus encouraged us to participate with the programs of our day. He said, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. Give to God what's God's. It's fine. It's not about that anyway. He said, the motive is the issue. The why, the gut check is the issue. And why you do what you do the way you do it, that's the issue. And we all want to be recognized. As human beings, we all want to be recognized. That's normal, that's natural, that's a given. He just said, be careful not to do it so that you are recognized. Watch your motives. In fact, you just do it for the right motives and let God take care of honoring you. And he sees everything and he will Yeah, I, I, I've seen situations, as hard as this is to believe, I've actually seen situations. Um, in fact, I'll be honest enough to let you know, it was actually in this church. It was many years ago, but it was actually in this church here at the summit where someone wanted to be generous, right? That's important. They wanted to be generous. They wanted to help someone in need. They wanted to help someone in need. And, and in order to do so, we're like, man, this is great. This is great. They have a need, and yeah. We want to help connect you. You, you. They're in need, and you have the means to meet that need. We're going to connect the two of you. You said, no, 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 no. We want to, we want to get the church involved so, so that you know, we can get proper credit for this, and we would, like, we would like for this to be mentioned from the stage. I'm sorry we don't do that. Oh, then they withdrew their generous offer to help this individual in need. Isn't that awful? Yeah. You say, well, who is it? Oh, they don't go to church here anymore. Yeah, I don't think. And if you're here, sorry. I didn't call your name. 
I didn't call your name. You, you know, don't, don't look, you know, shadier. Don't, don't look nervous, okay, because you'll, you'll out yourself. It's normal to want to be recognized, ain't it? Jesus is not against being recognized. He's just saying, don't make that your focus. Don't make it your focus. In fact, I think this is what Jesus is saying here, is that we need to focus on meeting needs, not making a name. Meet a need, don't make a name. Don't, you don't, don't try to make a name for yourself. Just meet needs. Just, just go about meeting the needs around you and let God take care of you. Choose the higher motivation. Choose the higher perspective, the higher focus that is honoring to Jesus. And just like the me mentality is driven by a couple of questions, what do I need and what do I want to do? There's a couple of questions that drives this. What do others need? What do other people need? Look around you. You're surrounded with people that are in great need. Pay attention to that. Say, well, I have needs of my own. I get it. You will almost always still have needs of your own. But even out of your own need, pay attention to the needs of others around you. You say, there's so many. I can't help everybody. I can't. I just can't. It's just, and, and so we almost let it paralyze us. And because we can't do everything, we do nothing. Here's the deal. Just because you can't meet every need doesn't mean you cannot meet a need. You can't help everyone, but it doesn't mean you can't help someone. Yeah. Here at the summit, at, on staff, one of the things we like to say to our staff, and we talk about this often in, in meetings and things, is that we want to have the mentality where we do for one what we wish we could, do, we could do for everybody. We do for one what we wish we could do for everybody. It, it kind of goes against the mentality that we were raised with, right? Y you know, like if I do it for you, I have to do it for everybody else. Go back, go back to trick-or-treating when you were a kid. Maybe you've had this experience. I bet we've all had a similar experience. Trick-or-treating, remember, going around. Trick-or-treat. And then the stingy neighbor, they get this bag full of goodness here, and they reach in and they hand one scrawny, dried-up Tootsie Roll <laughs> in your bag. And I had this experience. I'm like, hey, can, can I have one more? And he said, if, if, if I give you two, I'll have to give all the other kids too, and I'm going. There's nobody else on your dang street, man. I ain't gonna tell anybody. It's just between me and you. I'll keep it between us. I'll just think you're a little bit more generous than your scrawny little dried up tootsie roll there. Right? If I do it for you, I do it for you. No, no, no. You do for one what you wish you could do. Yeah. What do others need? What do others need? Even out of my own need. Even out of your own need. That's the mentality, see, that fights the me culture in money. The me mentality in money is what do other people need? And see, I'm a representative of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. Aren't we glad Jesus came with the mindset of what do other people need? What do other people need from me? I didn't come to be served, but to serve others and to give my life as a ransom for many, Jesus said. And he said, that's my, and you're following me. Well, I'm headed to the cross. You pick up. Pick up your own cross every day. You're going to have to do this daily because you're going to forget. You're going to forget. You're going to have to do this daily. You're going to self-denial, sacrifice, let's go. What do others need? And then what does God want me to do with my money? Not just what I want to do, but what does God want me to do? And I'm telling you right now, as followers of Jesus, and even if you're not a follower of Jesus, you would agree with this statement. As followers of Jesus, you should make how you handle money a matter of prayer well of course that just makes sense god what do you want me to do with what you've entrusted to me maybe i don't have a lot 
Maybe I have more than I used to have. Maybe I have less than what I used to have. But it's all yours, and it's all temporarily mine. And right now, I've got my name scribbled on it in crayon and marker, temporary pencil. One day, I will leave it, or it will leave me. But while I have it, as your representative, how do you want me to manage it? How can I honor you with what you've entrusted to me? What does God want me to do? Make it a matter of prayer. And let's... Let's finish with this question. How can I use my money then? Beyond just me. Because I don't want to, I don't want to fall prey to the me mentality and the me culture when it comes to money and finances. So how can I use my money? Beyond just me. How can I not limit it and limit what it can be by allowing it to just focus on me? How can I bring a self-denial and a sacrificial way of living when it comes to money? And, Make it beyond me. Think bigger than my life and bigger than my needs. Bigger than me. Beyond just me. Make that a question you wrestle with. You pray about. How can I make my money? How can I use my money? What can I do with money that takes it beyond just me, my, and mine? The beauty is when you give and when you share and you meet needs, like through um, organizations, nonprofit organizations, um, like the Summit or other organizations. If you think I'm just trying to get you to give money to the Summit, great, give it somewhere else. Give, give, give it to a worthy cause. Anytime you're giving to a worthy cause and helping people, I mean, I just wish you to be generous. Just be generous. We just need to be generous people in giving. But, but when you do that, you see that it, it becomes something bigger than you, right? It becomes something so much bigger than you, and you get to see how it is a part of meeting needs in other people's lives. But even individually, in your own family, in your own neighborhood, with the people that you work with, you are aware that people around you are in need and have needs because you see it, you sense it, and you hear them talk about it. What if, go with me here, what if, you considered yourself God's secret agent of generosity. Regardless of what your day job is, regardless of what your title is, what if you just considered yourself incognito? And that's just, that's just your title. That you're a front man as an education architect, craftsman, electrician. You, that, that's your front. That's that, you know, your incognito. Who you really are? is that God has strategically placed you in these positions in life and places in life because he wants you to be his secret agent of generosity by which to show people the love of Jesus. Are you kidding me? I mean, what a way to live, man. What a way to do this. And you got to think that, that, that God, our Heavenly Father, looks down and goes, that a boy, that a girl, that's what we're about right there. Okay, I know, I know. Don't, don't make it about you. I saw it. I saw it. I recognize it. I know nobody else saw what you did. I know, I know. You, you made it anonymous, but it's not anonymous to me. And I'm keeping score, and my scorecard is what counts, and I got you. Son, daughter, I got you. You just keep being my secret agents of generosity. And would to God this church become a secret agent of generosity, a machine of generosity in this community. Not so that people would applaud the summit. It ain't about us. It ain't about me. It ain't about you. But that people would begin to applaud 
who God is. Wait a second, is this, what, is this who God is? You know, that's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I want you to live your life in, so, in such a way that people will see your good works. In fact, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, it just came to my mind, at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, I want you to live your life in such a way so that people will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Wow, that's what he's talking about. To be God's secret agent of generosity. Take it on as a challenge. Take it on as a challenge. And let's fight the me culture. Let's fight the me mentality, especially when it comes to money. And let's handle money in such a way that brings us back to the heart of who Jesus is and the heart of who he calls us to be. People of self-denial and sacrifice. Let's just meet needs and do what God wants us to do. Our Father, help us. Help me to be secret agents of your generosity, to fight and push against the me mentality. Forgive us for taking what belongs to you and making it about ourselves, for taking what you own and going beyond just scribbling our names on it, but taking ownership of, of that and and refusing to honor you with it. Father, help us to realize we're called to something bigger, something better, something greater. And Father, may this church, more than ever before, be consumed with the passion of following your example and honoring you and honoring others. And when we honor others, we honor you. Those are connected with how we handle money. And help us come back to the heart of who you are and the heart of what it's about and the heart of who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.